This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everybody. This is Roberto, your host of Breaking Banks Europe, episode 195. And we have uh, an amazing guest with us uh, today. And uh, we're always in the scam baiting realm uh, with Mother Paul. And uh, this is part of the series that is called Con Quest, where Con are the Con artists that we are talking about. And the quest is the quest we have in educating people not to fall for those scams that uh, we encounter on the time in the internet. But we encounter them sometime, but people like uh, Paul encounter them daily, right? <laughs> Welcome to, to our show. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for letting me join. Um, yeah, I've been a I've been a scam baiter now for almost seven years. I uh, pretty much cover every aspect of the most common scams, and my goal is public education. Yeah, that's the most important thing, educating not only the potential victims, but the people that is uh, around them, the loved ones, because uh, those are the ones that can notice that somebody is falling victim of a scam and try to do something to avoid the big trouble to come so long, right? Right. And in my experience, um, you'd be surprised to know that many people in our own governments do not realize these scams are taking place at the layer that they're taking. And so it's real easy for one to walk into a, like a Walmart or another department store and find an elderly person buying gift cards. And the odds of them being scammed, at least in this day and age, it's fairly high. And But you can't interrupt them. They would be considered rude, but what they're now doing in like Lowe's, which is a hardware store, they have signs up and says, if you're buying gift cards to pay a bill, be aware that this may be a scam. So yeah, in fact, that. just to let everybody understand that, no, that uh, scammers, uh, they are have many different ways to get money from people. And when they urge them to pay them, they rarely ask a wire transfer to the bank because they can be then intercepted and localized. Even they do that as well using some other victim that put their name for those bank accounts. But the most common ways are buy gift cards and then they redeem the value of the gift cards, right? And this is one of the classic way. Well, an emerging one that's actually taking over is Bitcoin. So. Um, almost in every instance today, about ninety, about ninety percent of the time, when they want me as the so-called victim to send thousands of dollars to them, it isn't uncommon for them to ask me to go to my bank, withdraw twenty thousand dollars or thirty thousand, and then go to a Bitcoin ATM and meticulously feed each one hundred dollar bill into the machine. And there's literally, when it goes that route, there is no way to cancel it. It, it's uh, you might as well be handing cash to them. That is, in fact, something amazing that you're doing. Uh, 
in your show, you try to always bring them to the brick of uh, exhaustion in trying to get this money until they accept to send somebody physically in person to collect them, right? And that's right. where, uh, so, yeah. Yeah, well, my attack is, is got several prongs to it. Um, my primary objective is to educate the public. So I'll demonstrate the scam before a live audience while it takes place. But I also double up and I give the scammer a hard time. Like, I'll quiz them on things like, where are you located? I'll ask them if they visited restaurants in that area, and they never have an answer for that. Um, in short, over time, I sometimes take the approach of making the scammer regret calling, talking to me, um, to give them a reason to not what to do, what they're doing. But on the long end of it, we do set the scammers up to think I am a victim and will stage interventions with the people that they've picked in the United States that are waiting for the money to arrive. And it is through that process we further embarrass the scammer, discourage them. And in many cases, in the case of the person picking up the cash, that person is no longer going to work with that scammer. So it takes an element of their ecology out of the picture. And in this day and age, it's they've become very, very careful in handing out mule information because they know there are a fair number of us out there just waiting to, to spoil it for them. Yeah, in fact, uh, is uh, a lot of collaboration between uh, you and a lot of other uh, scam baiters. Uh, I saw things. I even saw that recently there has been a big meetup uh, at the People Call Center, right? Uh, uh, there is uh, some very good initiative. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, that's that. That is becoming a kind of mecca for scam baiters. Um, Scammer Payback is the creator of the People's Call Center. Pierogi is the character, the person. And this year was the second um, year they held the event. Um, it was 10, 12 prominent scam baiters, including myself, flew out to the location. And we participated in group events. And one of the big ones this year was the fact that that we have been able to gain access to computer systems used by scammers and through that process interactively rescue victims um, and we also in that particular event was able to embarrass a scammer because when a scammer realizes that somebody has access to their system and they're spying on them they lose a ton of credibility with their scammer boss it's like why are you letting them do this to us and it's pretty painful for a scammer to have been found to have ac have access to what they're doing. Same thing happens with with money mules. If they, when I'm proposing to send money to a location in California or whatever, and they go out looking for the money mule, it it takes them a good half hour to do it, and it's because they have to go onto sites like like Facebook or they use WhatsApp a lot, and they literally have to sometimes pay a, pay ahead of time, pay money. They have to over-insure that person that they're not going to get into trouble. So when they lose that person because of someone like me, that is like a serious blow to their operations. That's fantastic. And it's amazing that there is this insurgence of uh, people, you know, fighting this kind of uh, crime because 
It's not the kind of financial crimes of uh, white collars that you end up seeing, you know, big investigation from uh, governments. Uh, and at the same time, it's something that is very hard to find to following the law because people that commit these crimes are in countries uh, that are not really so enforcing laws uh, or uh, that it's difficult to, to go and get them. So really damaging them in this way is really one of the best ways that... Uh, and it's not the kind of activity law enforcement will do, right? <laughs> the way it's kind of, right. the, it's kind of, yeah. Well, and it's it's genuinely it's what I call a an almost perfect crime because they are able to adapt and evolve at a rate that a government simply cannot. And in the case of when we do trick a mule into waiting for money, we can't call the police on the on the mule because no crime really has been committed at that stage and the police are at odds with 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 that they can't act on it because police have to have a crime in order to take action and in almost every instance these scammers orchestrate things in such a way such as having you go get cash out of your bank and then going to a bitcoin machine once it goes through that channel or through a gift card there's very little the authorities can do Sometimes I we were able to get Target to invalidate a card. We've done that. Sometimes we can get the Bitcoin, um, the Bitcoin company. If it's like, for example, Coinbase, or if it's a another type of uh, Bitcoin exchange, we have been able to at least report the Bitcoin account that we were supposed to be sending money to. But nine times out of ten, it's a brand new wallet, and there's really no history. So. The other ways that scammers get money is through having cells in the country. So there's a type of scammer called a lottery scammer, right out of Jamaica mostly, where they have operatives that live in the United States and they literally get the money and they pack it and they'll fly it to Jamaica or they'll take a, a boat. We don't really know the exact method or they'll convert it. Some, a lot of times they'll convert it over into something that can then be deconverted once it, once they're in Jamaica. So they'll they'll launder it. A lot of laundering takes place. And there must be a billion dollar uh, operative business that these that these scanners uh, achieve at the end of the year between all of them. And I would like to understand, in fact, uh, also the uh, profile of the potential victims. Because that's uh, something to understand. Because between romance scam, uh, uh, fake crypto investment scams, uh, uh, rather than uh, lottery, as you mentioned, rather than uh, where law enforcement, you're in trouble, you need to pay immediately, or whatever else, uh, there are different kinds of uh, victims, right? I saw young people as well, mostly with romance scam, to fall for those uh, elderly people that are more alone. Uh, you know, they're, what, what is your take on uh, the, the victims? Uh, Profiling and psychology. Well, um, thanks to companies in that in this late stage, scammers can literally shop for specific age groups, um, salary. Um, but they can do a an ad on Facebook, for example, the ones I use to call the scammers. They can focus the ad to only show to fifty five plus year old males who have at least sixty thousand dollars in annual income. That they, they can they can specifically target and add to show up. Uh, the big one 
And this is an area where scam baiters really can't crack into it. This is what I call the, the iceberg of scams. The bulk of scamming literally takes place with direct calling, and that's done through what are called data brokers. A data broker is a legitimate company that sits on the internet, and there are literally thousands of them, and all they do is gather information, contact information. They buy customer lists from companies willing to sell them. Like, for example, we stumbled upon a scammer that had a spreadsheet of 500 people where they lived, where they worked, what days they worked, how much they made. And I was like, how did the scammer get all that info? Well, they included the URL where they got the list from, and it was a, a, a quick payday loan website. They had bought that list from a data broker. So there are a lot of companies out there that sell lists to buyers, scammers, and they don't bother sending massive emails so much in their operation, they do direct contact with these lists of people. And it's because their information was culled from the internet by data brokers. Um, it's a, it's probably where the bulk of scams take place. See, so they cherry, cherry picks the victims and they have additional information to do some social engineering on them. So also refer to a company where they worked, uh, also refer to I see, and that's that's very very bad, you know. So, uh, and that's the, and for and for that reason, that's why I have shifted my focus to be more more weighted to public education because there's going to be someone out there who's on such a list, and if they're educated, they'll know that that call that they're getting isn't the real deal, and that'll take away the advantage that the scammers have with such lists. Um, I do a lot of work with companies like um, Aura, which is a security company, that if people sign up for it, Aura will go out and get you unenrolled from this. I got, like when I signed up for it, I found out I was I was connected to over, over 180 data brokers. And after Aura unenrolled me, my spam and my regular Gmail account went from over 250 a day down to basically 40. Wow. And it's because I wasn't being, I wasn't being commercialized by these data brokers anymore. Um, there's, there's other companies that do the same thing. There's, um, this is the big F. So you might hear the word data broker. Data broker is a great tool for scammers to get information on potential victims. Once the disclaimer had the information, there is not much unrolling they can do, right? So they would already target uh, these people. They approach them over the phone uh, or with ads in the computer, as you were mentioning before, or through social medias. Uh, uh, like, uh, uh, is, is, is embarrassing the quantity of uh, requests of friendship from these uh, incredibly beautiful woman that I receive, uh, which is unreal. It is not common friends. Uh, uh, many times is also advertisement for nice service, very cheap. One goes to see and the website has been registered only a few weeks earlier. And you know, there are all the red flags that obviously somebody that is now computer savvy has a hard time to, uh, you know, process. And uh, maybe somebody that is more keen to trust people for uh, 
for the scam so so easily. I think it would be more a work of social services rather than law enforcement at a certain point when it comes on the side of the victim. Then correctly, the education is a key aspect. Um, what what is think is like the roles of financial institution? They should do something in order to educate uh, uh, clients that are potentially more vulnerable uh, rather than uh, right. who, who, should, who should be moving or should we go and call and say hey we need to do something about that yeah the 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 big one is um one one weakness in all scams is that they all have a common thread so in the case of a tech support scam they have a fake pop-up message and so with that kind of knowledge um knowing what the what the the red flags are are critical in that education process banks already do that to a large degree they they not all of them all of them act on it though because we've had to call banks to 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 coax them into re-looking at a transaction and consider canceling it uh, we've had to get the fbi to order banks to do it so it does happen it's the regulators. Comes- we need to we need to eat on the regulators more than financial institutions. So the regulators need to wow. force financial institutions to do something. Yeah, this is where the governments can have an, a a better effect. They could actually pass laws requiring that financial institutions take a more cursory look at these transactions, looking for the red flags. Um, it's getting harder to do that though, because as we develop a world economy, it becomes normal to send money, especially to India. India is, surprisingly, that's the other thing I tell people, India is where most of the scammers I work with come from, but that percentage of scammers in India is extremely small to the overall GDP of what India does. And so that's what makes it hard for a bank to discern, oh, it's going to India, it must be a scam. Like It's likely not a scam from their point of view. But so maybe just a method, just uh, sending a pamphlet, sending a brochure, sending like uh, a video to watch for a particular kind of clients so that, uh, you know, like in terms of education, right? That's something people trust their bank. So if my bank is telling me to pay attention, I pay attention. I see many times uh, when scambator managed to intercept the scam and call the victim and say, hey, don't trust the other guy. The victim is confused. Who should I trust now? The, the, the one before that is the, from Microsoft or the one next that is telling me that the other one is actually a scam. So it's different. Yeah. So probably when the voice coming from an authority, such as the government or a financial institution, the people really trust on, even if it's just education, may have much more effect. Right, and so I, I would go as far as to say every scam has its own common thread. So you can go to a tech support scam and literally list out what they always do. The reason why they're like that is because the scammer boss has several agents working for them doing this, so it's a process. And so, like for example, a major red flag with tech support scams, if they claim to be from Microsoft, and they want to connect to your computer with a non-Microsoft remote access program, they are very likely to be a scammer. And they might even go as far as to say that Microsoft doesn't have a remote access program. Well, they do. It's called Quick Support, and it's built into all versions of Windows since Windows 8. So if they try to use another remote control program, that's the red flag right there. That would 
that would kill most of the tech support scams if people were educated about them. Um, the hard ones would be the romance scams because you're dealing with someone who's been wooed by an individual claiming to be someone they're not usually. And they're often tricked into supporting them financially. A common thread there is constantly running into emergencies and the victim and, and, and the victim has to constantly send them money to help them out of their emergencies or the, the trip that never takes place. Like they have to fly from France to the United States, but something went wrong. So they have to pay for a hotel. They, they jack a person until they finally realize they're in a romance scam. So those are hard to, those are hard to detect, especially when you have people seeking romance, they're going to find a scammer out there. That's the way it is. And even um, it's less, it's terrible. So yeah, and between all the experience you had, which has been a very particular one, something that remains in your mind that uh, really um, amused you or impressed you or gave you a big lesson? Um, basically, I have what I call my own achievements, and we once came across a way to control the phone system of a, of a fairly large scammer in India. And instead of just shutting it down, I basically did a degradation of their service. So I was able to hamper their operations for four days and I caused them more pain and damage, making them work with a handicap than if I just simply shut everything down. Um, that, that would be a considered a big success. Okay. Um, but there's other successes, um, to date I've actually, um, de-scammed four individuals and helped them um, stop a life of scamming and, and get a regular job. One of them literally moved to Mumbai and raised, raised a family. So there's an effort by me. Even yesterday, I was showing a scammer a job listing site he probably wasn't aware of. And he was like going, wow. And helping these scammers and treating them like individuals who have been tricked and try to talk them out of doing it is is a role that I find myself doing more of. Um, so trying to trying to get to this trying to I I literally consider the scammers that I work with to they're they're doing a crime and they're in in a in a big way a criminal in their own right, but their path to that criminality is one of su suspicion because. Odds are they were just trying to find a job and they ended up working for a scammer. And so I see, a, I see, and I hear a lot of regret when I talk to some of these scammers, I can tell they don't enjoy it. Oh, that's, that's, that's nice. So yeah, because, and there's also a way to have somebody inside, uh, at least to even have a other insight on, on the operation of, uh, of those cars. There has been somebody that even took a flight and flew to, uh, this can, this uh, call center in in person. I saw there are uh, for sure people that. Uh, and what I liked about you that uh, you really do this because it's something that uh, comes out of your heart. It's really something that you do because you like what you're doing and the the entertainment. The everything else comes as a second uh, step. So it's very genuine uh, the uh, the effort that is uh, put put in place. 
AMDA is very, very, very functional. I see you collaborate with so many other excavators that, like uh, I, we, I had as a guest in the previous uh, episode, Trilogy uh, Media, Art and uh, Ashton, and uh, you know them very well because you end up working with them very, very often, and you can. Uh, bring to their address, they do the second step, they do the face-to-face confrontation with the money mules, uh, and with your cooperation, you deliver uh, these, uh, these things to them. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting planet, it is one of uh, the excavators uh, and uh, an interesting um, effort that is put to, to, to bring justice and uh, to save uh, victims. And that's just very, very nice. So you, you end up to do this by randomly. How how you you end up doing this? Um, I I love Trilogy Media, and we're we we're still we still work with them, and we're planning even more events. And um, one my, on my side, I'm creating another YouTube channel where I'll be basically describing scamming from a very layman type of view. It's in a cartoon show. And it's going to be a, a way for people to discover scams through the lens of a sitcom. So they're not necessarily going to know that the show is about scamming until like the fifth or sixth episode, really. And a whole world is going to be open to people. People are going to be saying, oh, my God, I didn't know that there are people, young people in India and Pakistan, tricking elderly people into sending thousands of Takes eighty thousand dollars to them. That's that's insane, and it'll 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 really do a lot of good. I mean, getting people educated is turning out to be, in my opinion, the best thing, way to go. I mean, only because the scammers are using technology and they're they're able to evolve just as quickly as we do. And it's it's like, for example, the Bitcoin. There's very little I can do on Bitcoin except for waste the scammer's time, like go into a Bitcoin machine and it's not working, or while I'm trying to feed it into the Bitcoin machine, which I'm not really doing, I can pretend that it got jammed, and then that the owner of the store intervenes and says, what are you doing? And then we laugh at the scammer, ha ah, you just lost six hours of your life. You know, yeah, and, and you do you do all this with some characters, with some particular voices, uh, with some uh, what what characters? Yeah, which is your pref- your your favorite one? Hi, my name is Mary. How are you doing, <laughs> Mary? Uh, I have to turn this next one down because it's really loud. Um, Hi, my name's Daniel James Weeks. I'm a preacher. Son of best. Oh, my name's Cosmo, and blah, 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 blah. So there is a voice changer, basically, and uh, the character that comes with it with the voice. That then uh... Right, so it's, it's a combination of, of a character that I drive and create. Uh, the, the computer that they connect to has its own personality on itself. The character that I play, literally, I have, I've created... A, a completely believable fake Utah driver's license with uh, with an AI photo on it. So if they want my driver's license, I'll text it to them. And they think I'm a real person based on that kind of document. I've, I've actually shown my fake licenses to the police, and they said, wow, 
That looks good. Don't use it. Don't use it. Um, I've created fake certified checks. I've created fake gift cards. Um, for a good while, I was doing what I call pickling the brains of Jamaican scammers. I was cr I created a brand new numbering system called the ICANN Extended Numbering Set. And so I created fake numbers like 11D, 12D, 1380D, 1480D, 1580D, and 1680D. And I created these cards with these string symbols. And the scammer would say, what is that symbol? Why is it on the card? Because it looks like a real card. I said, that's the 11T symbol. <laughs> and I said, Cong I said, Congress passed a law in 2021 to avoid the credit card apocalypse because credit card companies are running out of numbers. So they had to create new ones based on a 16-digit set. Some people call it hexadecimal, but we call it the extended numbering set. So we have 11D, 12D, 13D, 14D, 15D, and 16D. And for the longest time, they literally believed that certain states were adopting the new numbering. I had all my certified checks, my UPS tracking labels had 16D on them. And it was... It's this yeah, it really yeah. give a profile of the scammers, meaning the scammers themselves are uh, gullible. So, you know, there is, a, there is a way to understand how to manipulate the scammer in order to waste their time, in order to collect information from them, and yet uh, keep them right. believing that they're actually doing their job uh, and reading their script and following their things with an actual victim. So it is an art right. and not something that you learn with the time to do better and better. Yeah, it's like yesterday. I, I was supposed to. I was supposedly talking to a Bank of America fraud officer, but he did not understand banking, and he was still trying to pretend to be a fraud officer. And so I just told him I, I was playing a female. I said, I don't feel comfortable with you. I don't even think you've been working for your bank for maybe a day or two. Your your presentation is horrible. I don't believe you work for the bank. Can you find someone who does? So when when they gave me the female scammer that acted like the fraud officer, um, I know for I can almost guarantee that that scammer probably just got yelled at by his boss for for failing to act that, like a banker. And so, so in my art, I've discouraged the scammer by saying, <laughs> probably is is resigning from the scam job." This is amazing, and uh, I, I learned so many things in just uh, less than half an hour of uh, chat with you. Um, it is uh, it has been great to have you uh, with us, and uh, I hope to have an opportunity in the future to have another chat with you and learn more things. Thank you for uh, being our guest. You bet. All right, so for everybody else, we're going to meet again at the next episode of Breaking Back Europe Conquest with your host, Roberto Cobodice, and other amazing guests. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.